Uh, Captain Slogs, start. (laughs) (laughs) Podcasts. A Frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Captain Slog. Its ongoing mission to explore strange new episodes, to seek out new jokes and new references, to split infinitives that no one has split before. Captain's Log, Stardate 76. Um, these are the continued voyages of this podcast. I'm Eddie. Mark's here as well. Uh, how, how, how you been, Mark? What are you up to? For the benefit of... So I know, I know that Billy Egan is listening to this. Uh, and he lives in... Um, he lives in Australia, right? And if you don't know... If you don't know about Australia, Australia is on uh, backwards earth, where winter is in summer and vice versa. Uh, I thought Australia was fiction made up by the Globists. No, uh, that's pushed their agenda. That's New Zealand. Have you ever seen? Oh, okay. Have you ever seen that? Uh, I don't know if it was a. I don't think it was a video. I think it was a news story about a woman who flew to Bulgaria on a New Zealand passport, and they they hauled her in, and they were like, "This isn't a real passport from a real country." And she was like, "Oh my god, it is." She says, "New Zealand is a real place. How do you not know this?" And then she goes, "Show me a map. Show me a map." And they pointed to the map on the wall, which, like a lot of maps, doesn't contain New Zealand. <laughs> She had to be like, well, not on that map, which, <laughs> if anything, makes her look more suspicious. Um, Imagine her having to get into a country by going, Google the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and they were like, this was filmed in Albania. <laughs> no, uh, but anyway, but so it's cold now uh, in Scotland. Um, and that means that the, um, the spiders are moving in. They're not paying rent. And uh, I've got... Um, got one of them benefit scrounger spiders uh, because um, I think there was a pregnant spider in my bathroom uh, because there are now six very tiny spiders in my bathroom uh, on the windowsill near my, near my toothbrush and uh, I, I don't know what I do about it because I can't move my toothbrush to another room for safekeeping um, I don't like to kill spiders because I know that they they have a purpose. I, just, I it, it's it's not their fault. I think they're scary. Um, <laughs> it's no, I right, okay, right. What I have a, a right. I I wish I could. I, mean, s- I wish I could speak the spider language because there's a lot of things I'd like to say to them. Um, <laughs> and and number one is, um, I don't think a spider is scarier uh, than when it's on the floor or ground because that's my domain. Um, and I feel like you have enough. Be in the corners, be in the walls on it, even on the ceiling. As as long as you're not directly over me, that's fine. But just don't be on the. I walked out the. Um, are you aware of the Glaswegian concept of the square goal? Uh, I, I, the only time I've heard that the the term square go is there's a Scottish wrestling promotion who use it as their term for money in the bank. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Uh, so the square go is the... Um, 
it's it's the gesture it's the gesture equivalent of come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. Oh yeah, it's okay. it's a square go is when you square up to someone. Uh, okay, and you and uh, for any American listeners who don't understand that, um, why are you listening to this? Uh, no, uh, if you're an American, imagine how you would express yourself to somebody who has annoyed you if you weren't terrified they had a gun. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but you were also willing to fight them in, uh, like, one-on-one combat. Yeah. Like, it, if it escalated to that. Unarmed. Unarmed. Unless there's anything lying around. Yeah, Those are the... <laughs> that's the rules. <laughs> yeah. Um, legally, you're allowed to do it to the death in the city of Yorkshire. Um, or York. I, I, whatever one's the city, whatever one's the York's area. York's the city. That's why it's not called New Yorkshire. Um, how, how, how do you know someone's from Yorkshire? Um, they sound like it. Um, so... <laughs> the, anyway. Yes, but I, I don't like them on the ground. Uh, the other day I came out of the bathroom... And I turned, uh, and uh, it, 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 Laura will laugh at this because she'll be like, this wasn't the other day, this was several weeks ago. Um, and I'll just say, well, that's how comedians tell stories. But anyway, the other day I was coming out the bathroom and Laura was there and it was late at night. I'd just brushed my teeth. Uh, no spiders. Uh, and uh, there was a spider. The, 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 I looked down at the ground and I went, isn't it weird that that piece of lint looks exactly like a spider on the floor? Um, and then it started running around and squaring up to me. Uh, and uh, I uh, cried uh, a little bit. I ran in the bathroom. Uh, Laura came out and put a a, a, a mug over it, uh, and then it, it disappeared. I think that's the spider that was pregnant. <laughs> I don't know where that story was going. Did you like Doc- I... Did you like Doctor Who? Uh, yeah, I did. I quite enjoyed it. Um, and I, I I also annoyed that I know. I also liked that I know it was designed to annoy certain people oh um. I, I like to think <laughs> that Russ, this was Russell T Davis turning into Chris Chibnall and going you want to heavy handedly shoehorn in a message this is how you heavy handedly shoehorn in a message you cunt and do you know what I'm going to throw in a fucking do you know what mate I'm I'm going to throw in a second message about disabled representation to counteract a thing I'm already being accused of in the future that I'm not yet aware of because people just want Davros to look exactly like Davros, uh, and they're going to be—they're going to be like, "No, but what about all the representation for disabled people?" When in reality, what they mean is we're fucking old and cunts, and we don't want things to change. <laughs> and then I'm—and then I'm going to watch this episode. I'm going to be like, "What well, you have to say now, motherfuckers?" And they'll be like, "How can a person in a wheelchair become head of unit?" She's not even head of unit. She's chief. chief um, she's one of the scientific advisors. And they're going to be like, like uh, "There's one. There's one bit where I can see her using her leg, uh, and she's not using her hands to move it. So she's faking it." Um, I've not looked at the. I've not looked at the Daily Mail since I've been in it. Uh, but I, I imagine this will be a lot of the, a lot of the arguments. Yeah. I, I, just to, to be clear, yeah. Just because you can move your legs doesn't mean you can stand and walk. Um, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah no. I, I, sorry, I, 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 uh, you uh, you should work for the Department of Work and Pensions. <laughs> what I mean is, the ability to move your legs around doesn't mean you've necessarily got the uh, leg strength to carry a human body around. So, 
Uh, you could probably yeah, still need a wheelchair. That, but also, Mr. Edwards, uh, we can't have you sitting around at home and the only available <laughs> job is as a paramedic, so stamp it. Uh, benefits cut. <laughs> ah, what a lovely country we live in. Um, but but to, to your point, I wanted to say something. You said about that you seeing a bit of lint and thinking it looks uh, exactly like a spider. Uh, I've had that experience exactly once in my life. Um, I was at a festival and I was off my tits on LSD and there was a small bit of uh, dust on the uh, like it was a dust or a, a thing that was like holding a fence in place and it looked exactly like a spider and my brain immediately went oh that looks exactly like a spider and then because I was on acid I was then that turned into a million spiders mm. um, and I had a real moment where I was like oh it's really lucky I'm not scared of spiders otherwise this trip would be awful uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have come to believe that my uh, crippling fear of spiders um, is largely performatory by my own brain um, <laughs> because there's two instances the two biggest spiders I have seen in my entire life that weren't you know like tarantulas in the zoo or whatever uh, one time uh, I was at a Sainsbury's self-checkout and this was years before I met Laura you'll find out why in a minute why I had to clarify that uh, because the I was at the self-checkout and you know the, the self-checkout they always have to have someone there to do the work of the self-checkout that, that doesn't barely functions um, yeah she, she was quite fit uh, and she turned around at me and she done my she put through my whatever she said I was over 16 for my Red Bull or whatever um, and she said how do you how are you with spiders and I went what a bizarre flirting technique um, I said uh, fine I lied um, and uh, she said okay good because there's a giant spider by your feet on the floor where they shouldn't be um, she said that uh, uh, no she didn't uh, I, I feel like we should just get learn that as a society. But anyway, she said there's a giant spider there, and it it, it doesn't seem to be afraid of you. Uh, and now maybe maybe that was the spider that was finally trying to reach out. Uh, but I just kind of turned <laughs> and I went, oh, and then I just sort of left it and wasn't. Up. Now don't get me wrong, I think about that once a week. Um, <laughs> but the other the other the other time was. Um, I went to a drag, like, lunch. No, it was like a drag, so it was drag brunch, uh, but I, as it was operating on drag queen time, it was at 9pm. Um, <laughs> and uh, so it's, it's um, there, was, there, was, there was me, uh, it, it, was in, it was in London, but it, it was a room full of women in the audience. Uh, there was me, uh, my brother, my uh, our friend, uh, and uh, one other guy, and uh, the other guy wasn't. He was with a separate group. It was absolutely jam packed. And then a, a massive spider started crawling up the wall near where we were. Uh, and I, I don't like to play into gender stereotypes, right? But the women started freaking out, uh, and uh, my brain was like, "Oh, I have to look impressive here." Uh, so I picked up a pint glass and went to put it over the spider when the la the unrelated lad from the other group done exactly the same thing before I did it. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's not a very good story, Eddie, but it, is te it does technically have a beginning, middle, and end. 
<laughs> yeah, but the important thing we've got to do there is if any spiders listen to this podcast, can you let us know what you do to toothbrushes? Because um, that's important information. Because uh, I've never thought about it until you started telling this, all of this story, and I'm like, yeah, now I now I'm worried that there's well spiders all over my toothbrush at night. Re- a toothbrush, right, is is really just a giant inanimate spider's leg because <laughs> it's just a big long thing with hairs on it. Um, yeah. So I imagine spiders look at toothbrushes the way that we like to watch movies in which people find giant skeletons. <laughs> like I imagine like the spiders are like oh we finally found proof of like a spider Godzilla because they obvi- cause obviously they have the concept of just regular Godzilla because Godzilla is for everyone do you know what I mean yeah. not just for the humans it protects the whole earth yeah Every everybody in the ecosystem is aware of the Godzilla yeah exactly uh, yeah that's how Godzilla's work <laughs> yeah spiders even actually go out of their way to pronounce it Gojira which is <laughs> More racially sensitive than, than white people, so yeah, which is particularly difficult with their mouths as well. Um, they're good at the um, the clicky languages from from Africa, but not so good at um, uh, um, Asian pronunciation. So. No, it really uh, it takes a lot of effort. I actually, I'm, I actually really starting to really respect them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, Star Wars, Star Trek, <laughs> even. I really, right. I really, I I love this episode. I, I do as well. Uh, we say. A certain sentence on this podcast a lot mm. <laughs> and I, i'm gonna use it again this is a great data episode, <laughs> great episode. no this isn't a great data episode this is a tremendous brent spiner episode yeah yeah, yeah. that's yeah it's um, quite a lot of this episode is him speaking to himself yeah but not let's let's not oversell it like i can understand maybe that doing that in a two-handed scene can be done um like it's 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 been it's been done in a lot of places very well, like in The Parent Trap by Lindsay Lohan. Uh, I don't know, still don't know how furious the Olsen twins must have been with their agent about that. No, you're <laughs> right. I, I've, I've seen your, um, I've seen your uh, government petition to retroactively have Lindsay Lohan nominated for the Academy Award for The Parent Trap. Yeah, uh, but with all of that, with that, this is a free, this is a freehander scene. So he's not just doing his dialogue, then pausing while somebody else speaks. He's like pausing while I'm assuming a recording of himself doing the lines is played. No. Oh, really? I looked into this. So he, uh, the way that it was set up was that. So to 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 give an overview of what happened. Uh, we, we'll go into the machinations of this first part a little bit later because I quite frankly have a lot to say about it uh, yep. but Data is called away from the Enterprise to go in the, the confusingly named Dr. Noonien Singh uh, unrelated to Khan Noonien Singh uh, <laughs> which the whole time Laura had was just sitting there going I don't un- why anyway but, so to be clear, in the future, the name Noonien is like Dave, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's a name a lot of people have, and, and the Sung Sing thing is just unfortunate. Yeah, it's <laughs> it is a yeah, it is kind of, it's almost kind of sad that the space Hitler is called Khan Dave Smith. <laughs> um, but the um, so he gets called away to Doctor Noonien Sung, who's presumed missing, 
Be, or dead. Or dead. He, we, we think he died when the crystalline entity turned up and wiped everyone out, which is what we learned about in Data Lore, the yep. first um, big data episode where we got introduced to Lore in, and, and probably one of the Laws only... His brother. Were, Laws' brother, and is probably one of the only worthwhile season one episodes. 100%. Yeah. Um, so Data kind of it goes to see him, uh, and Brent Spiner is obviously playing Data and Doctor Sung in like old man, like serious old man makeup. Which, by the way, I just want to mention, is the most believable part of the effect. Mm. Like, there is actually some bits where they're both on screen at the same time, where there's a, the lighting's a little off, and you can kind of forgive it because of the time and TV budgets and all that. But it, I genuinely had to Google it and double check because I knew yeah. he played himself but yeah. I was like he looks it looks so convincingly as an old man yeah that yeah it's I had to double check it was I, Brent Spiner doing it because uh, there's because I looked up the memory alpha for the previous episode after we'd already rec- recorded that one. no I don't have to incriminate myself no the last episode which is the lost episode um, yeah. I came into that fully prepared, having fully having read <laughs> numerous tomes uh, about yeah. the production of that episode, and also at no point did I go on uh, a genocidal rant about the Amish. Uh, but um, <laughs> I, I, I would argue last last week's episode, our, our best work. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just a shame it will never be heard. No, but, oh, oh, it was a delight. I know the Smithsonian <laughs> have been emailing us constantly to ask for one of the episodes to be preserved, and it really it should have been that one. But the um, so I read the Memory Alpha afterwards, and it said that Family is the only episode of TNG that Data isn't in, uh, but it gets made up for in the next episode when Brent Spiner gets to play multiple characters. And it was about ten minutes into meeting Doctor Soong that I was like, "Oh, that, I mean, Law's going to be in this one because where's the other bread Spiner? The, the <laughs> makeup is incredible." Um, yeah, four hours. Apparently, it took really. So, Jesus. So anyway, they they're having a nice little chat about oh, what is the meaning of life and why didn't you give me any emotions and blah blah blah. Uh, and then Law shows up. Yeah, uh, and Doctor Soong had assumed that Lore was still disassembled. And Data had assumed that Lore was dead. Yeah, stuck um, in space. But Lore was actually alone in space for two years before he got just randomly picked up by a pack lid um, transporter. And it's not mentioned in the episode, but I'm going to assume Lore killed all those pack lids. Oh, I, <laughs> I imagine Lore made all those pack lids kill themselves. <laughs> for his own amusement, which I'll tell you, not hard. Um, <laughs> the uh, the Packleds are the Amish um, of the of the Star Wars galaxy, and that I wish they would all just kill them. Anyway, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so 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 data. So so Brent Spiner is not only playing data, which obviously he does incredibly well week in week out. He's playing three. Very, very, very different performances to each other. But the way that they filmed it is that they rehearsed and actually kind of filmed it like a stage play. So there was tape uh, for the marks, um, which is, you know, you don't super duper always have to do it in multi-camera 
uh, uh, filming. Uh, but uh, it, so it was all blocked out, and it was it was blocked out to within an inch of its life. And they spent two days. On the first day, he done both data and lore, and on the second day, he did Doctor Soon. But he said what was quite a bizarre thing is that he would be playing data slash lore reacting to lines that he hadn't even read yet. (laughs) That he himself was going to say. (laughs) Oh, man. It's it's one of those things. But it was another actor, sorry. It was another actor doing the... uh, the It's one of those things where... People like I know that like science fiction can get looked down on a bit by eyes, but this seems like the kind of acting challenge that somebody would relish that can only really exist in science fiction. Yeah, because um, it's not like versions of himself. It's very important that these are very, these aren't. This isn't like data at different points in his life. This is three very different people. Yeah, because or the, the running joke in Star Trek is that the entire Sung Dynasty and every android they've ever made is all are all played by Brent Spiner because of a heavy vein of narcissism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and very strong genes in the Sung bloodline. I mean, um, because because I because I if I had to I know this is going to make me sound very Donald Trump, but if I if I was to make a robot daughter, I would make her smoking hot. <laughs> uh, not because I want a fancy or anything, but more just because Life will just be easier for you if you're smoking hot. Uh, yeah. People will believe that you... Oh, would people think she was a robot more? Because <laughs> I think Charlize Theron might be a robot. No, it doesn't matter. Um, and then, and then, and then the, 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 the Charlize Theron who played the character in Monster was just a different robot that Dr. <laughs> Theron made. <laughs> if... If you were going to make a... See, the thing is, if I was going to make a robot daughter and make her smoking hot, that does present other problems, but I think they'll be balanced out by uh, having the tensile strength of a forklift truck. Um. Yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe I shouldn't make her smoking hot. Maybe I should make her just above average. Uh, if I'm... I'm going to be honest, like, I... This is going to... What I'm saying here is not... Um, I'm, I'm not going to say here is not misogynistic, but it speaks to the misogyny in society. If you're going to make a robot child, make a son. It'll be easier. No, you're right. No, just just thinking about it. <laughs> Laura and I together biologically will hopefully just make a daughter, and hopefully she will just naturally be smoking hot. No, that sounds bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's something that obviously, if that does happen, you can never comment on it, and I, as your friend, <laughs> will not to you directly. <laughs> I will fucking Bruce Lee your fucking nose cartilage directly into your brain if you ever, ever comment on the relative attractiveness of my kids. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I mean, mean, that means the only time I could do it is if you're dead, which would be a weird eulogy. At least give it a few weeks so it's not suspicious. <laughs> Mark leaves behind uh, a wife and two smoking hot. <laughs> <laughs> right, to get us back on track. Yeah. One thing that turns up in this episode, data is thick. 
Oh, and also I should I should end that sentence by saying Brent Spiner, good looking man. Oh yeah, yeah, very very decent looking fella. But no, Brett, Data, the character, is stupid because it is revealed in this. The big reveal is that Data was created second, which we knew already. But Law had put forward that he wanted so the the colonists had told Sung to make a less perfect android because they were jealous of law and they'd made data who didn't have emotions and apparently <laughs> i get that data believed that at the time but apparently after the reveal that law was actually an evil robot <laughs> data carried on believing that until now yeah <laughs> when he was told no yeah you're basically the same <laughs> yeah, you're not because it, it was a bit, it was it was a somewhat confusing way that um, Doctor Sung put it because he says you're not less perfect than Lore. Yeah, and, and 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 yeah, that that was a kind of really beautiful moment that they I took that to heart. I mean, look, like no science fiction should never be taken literally. Like science fiction exists for us to understand who we are now. Um, yeah. And this is an episode about uh, sibling rivalry, and not even sibling rivalry, but like just comparing yourself to your sibling, um, yeah. and you both being different people. One of you's a murderer, <laughs> a mass murderer. Let's be clear: yeah. he's responsible for the death of an entire colony and at least one ship of patlids. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so. The, so he does say this is really interesting to me because um, he says uh, Sung says that the only difference between law and data is some programming so that implies we know law already has emotions but that would imply that his emotions are from software rather than hardware and maybe that's why they're accidentally evil um, but it also implies that data could learn emotions so I'm not uh, I'm not an expert on Star Trek, as we have established uh, over the last seventy-five episodes or however. Um, but the, but I I have gone forward. I, I've seen First Contact, and in First Contact, there's a reference to Data's emotion chip, yes, or his emotion protocol. So I know he gets one eventually. So he gets the chi- the chip. So basically, Law pulls. One of his, like, go-to moves. One of his classic <laughs> Lindsay Lohan twins. <laughs> Which is, Capers. oh, you've left me alone in a room with Data. I'm immediately going to turn him off and steal his clothes. <laughs> yeah. Um, he does take the time to dress Data in his own clothes, though. <laughs> That's Saturday nice. Night. Yeah. That, <laughs> I like to think he did that first, but he stripped off. So I like to think he did that naked and then put on Data's gear. Yeah. Does Tasha um, Yard insinuate that Data's got a nice dong? If you're going to put a, a dong on a robot, <laughs> why why would you go small? Unless that's your thing. Yeah, uh, that's it. That's why my daughter has double D. Maybe, maybe that's how we keep the robot. <laughs> <laughs> my smoking maybe. hot robot daughter. <laughs> 
Let's not make this a recurring joke. Because I feel like if we just bring it up randomly without the context, it's going to make me look like some kind of creep. Hear me out. Right? Hear me out. The rise of AI is terrifying. We are worried that maybe we're eventually going to get replaced by robots. Yeah. So if ever we build robots, maybe we do give them all tiny cocks. You know, and you, we can use that to just undermine their confidence so they never go for the uprising. I think this this plays into that thing, though, of, like, not really understanding how robots are going to think. We just assume <laughs> that they're going to think like us. Um, and it's that thing of um, the the right wing. Uh, the, uh, uh, when they say, like, we, you know, we maybe we shouldn't be giving, like, minorities, like, equal rights and things. Um, and and really, the argument boils down to because they will just do to us exactly what we did to them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's no reason to think that. There's no like. There's no reason to think that robots will become angry and vengeful at us just because uh, the first time a robot accidentally kills someone, we'll fucking genocide a lot of them. It's already happened, though, hasn't it? Do you not see? There's a, a robot arm. The robot arm in uh, Korea thought a man was a box of vegetables and had been programmed to kill boxes of vegetables. I don't know, <laughs> but, but, but apparently, <laughs> whatever it did to him, he, his body and bones and guts and stuff didn't agree with it, and uh, he's he's no longer with us. And then, it, and then that got sent to, to a Sainsbury's in Yorkshire. Someone was like, ooh, a big spider. <laughs> Which is a huge news story over here. Like... I, I, you know, I like, I like thinking about matters of perspective. Like, I can't imagine that, at, like, twice a year, there are like page seven news stories in Australia. Oh, this woman found a giant spider in her bananas. Because I, I imagine it just happens all the time. <laughs> uh, but uh, over here, it's, it's like, oh, this, this, this woman bought a box of strawberries or a box of fucking somewhat exotic fruit and it turns out there was a giant spider in it and get this if that spider bites you it can give you a permanent erection <laughs> so I bury the lead guys <laughs> I wanted you to be like a cure for erection dysfunction found <laughs> in a bunch of bananas it was a spider that's a real way to tell a story that kept me on the hook Imagine having erectile dysfunction and arachnophobia. That'd be a <laughs> yeah. Because I because right, back, back to spiders, right? I am um, every there isn't there isn't a there isn't a child in the world whose favorite superhero isn't Spider Man. Like he is the best. Yeah. he's he's just the most wonderful hero. He speaks directly to kids. If you're a child, the, the, the three biggest superheroes by sales, we know for a fact, are Spider-Man, Batman, and Superman. And if you're a child, you're too young to understand the complexities of what make Batman and Superman very good characters. Yeah. Which is <laughs> like, great. And, which is good. You shouldn't understand why having a planet blow up and genocide an entire race is an important part of someone's backstory. That shouldn't be something you think about as a five-year-old. Spider-Man is the swinging. <laughs> I, I do think we need to add to the, you know the, you know the psychopath test, uh, the the two ones that we know from kids is they torture small animals and they wet the bed. Uh, I think we should add uh, Reed Richards as their favourite superhero to that one. <laughs> that shouldn't be one for kids. If Reed Richards is your favourite superhero, <laughs> you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but he's um, being played by Pedro Pascal, apparently. I'm, uh, I'm into that. I'm into that, but also, 
it it speaks to they're they're doing they're making they know what they're doing because Pedro you don't you don't cast Pedro Pascal for white meat baby face right <laughs> yeah uh, and uh, uh, the and I mean he's the sexiest man in the world you, you don't cast him unless you want everyone in the world to see your movie so good job well done. Uh, to quote one of my all-time favourite comic book lines is there's a, comic book, uh, Mar- a Marvel Knights crossover between Spider-Man and Wolverine and they've got a chip and they need to track where the source signal it's getting is coming from and Spider-Man says what I like to think in these situations is what would I do if I had Reed Richards if I, if I, if I had Reed Richards' brain not what I would I do if I was Reed Richards because that involves Sue Storm a can of whipped cream and his very specific superpowers <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but I but I would I would take a spider bite, a, a quite a painful one, if it meant I got Spider Man powers. Yeah, yeah, easily. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, but they're the best. They're the best powers. And uh, they they don't really um, they don't really go into this in the comics about that fifteen year old, but it does give him the permanent erection. <laughs> it's actually surprising that no one has ever put together that Peter Parker and Spider Man are the same guy. <laughs> Because <laughs> he's got it going on. That's how he gets Mary Jane. <laughs> he looks like a he looks like a find the hypotenuse uh, puzzle. He actually can't. Uh, Peter Parker actually can't uh, face people side on. <laughs> every every time he crawls up a building, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's actually just a, like a like a trail of like a hole uh, that he pulls up. Where do you think the webbing shoots from? Uh... His wrists. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Law steals the emotion chip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he get he, basically Law steals the emotion chip. Later on, Law in later episodes turns up again and gets he disassembled in some way and. Data gets the emotion chip back and then he decides to install it um, in First Contact so that First Contact at least has one plot line that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, not First Contact Generations. Sorry. Uh, first Contact right, makes okay. a lot of sense. Yeah, but First Contact. Uh, yeah, First Contact's a really tightly plotted movie. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so Law's got extra emotions now. Because he already had emotions, he's got like extra and better emotions, and then he kills Sung, and he seems to really enjoy it. To be fair, so that's yeah. that's good work on the emotion chip. He's got some really complicated feelings about the finale of Midnight Mass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> doesn't everybody have complicated feelings about the the end of Midnight Mass? Uh, I know I know that Laura has very complicated feelings whenever I talk about it. <laughs> which is didn't you rant at me on the daily for about two weeks for a period of 20 minutes each about how the fucking finale of Midnight Mass doesn't make any sense and it made you really angry that such a perfect show had such a bullshit ending and then as soon as you watched the red letter media guys talk about it you were like actually that was a perfect ending and I was wrong <laughs> 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 
I'm not saying media, Midnight Mass is perfect, but I am saying that Midnight Mass is perfect, and if you don't like it, I don't think we can be friends. If I uh, if I ever stated that Midnight Mass is perfect, I think a set of divorce papers would appear magically in front of me. <laughs> I, can, I can hear her from the living room. I can't hear what she's saying, but... Um, anyway, this is... Uh, Second to me in a great uh, data episode, everything that goes on there. The, the secondary character who really gets to shine in this episode is O'Brien. O'Brien watch. Because we get, we get down, we literally get, oh, yeah. it's being said in textually to, like, by Riker to Picard. He says, if anybody knows that nobody knows their way around that tr- transporter like O'Brien. Yeah. He acknowledges that he is probably the Federation's leading expert on how that machinery operates, which is, like, he's gone from, like, like one line extra yeah. <laughs> to featured player to, like, other than the, like, I put him on a Guinan level now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, I also love... Um... So, so they, uh, so they, they have to at one point. Okay, so we'll, we'll go back to the beginning, right? So, in the beginning, uh, there is, uh, uh, there is nothing, and then there is no. Um, but in the <laughs> in the beginning, we we start this episode with a wee boy, uh, being walked into the conference room by Troy, and it's a proper wee boy. He's about eight or nine, right? Uh, and. Yeah. Uh, you can tell that oh he's he's about to be getting a telling off. Uh, he looks really sad. He looks really sorry. Troy looks quite sympathetic towards him. Okay. And 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 is is the camera pans round and I was like oh Picard is going to rip this kind of new one. And then you see that it's Riker, and I'm immediately like being told off by Riker is so much worse than being told <laughs> off by Picard. Right, but in addition to that, I was like this this build up is like he's in he's being brought into the the conference room. Riker's the only one there yeah. being brought in by Troy. I was like, whatever prank this child has engaged in can't can't possibly be on the level that this is supposed to be at. But to be clear, the prank is he tricked his brother into thinking that he'd killed him. Yeah. <laughs> right? And, and, I'm not, like, and not just fall down and then not <laughs> Reacting, but I was like, "Come on, man, wake up!" No, it's so much worse. Yeah, he had like, as far as I can tell, a, like squibs. Attached. Yeah, and they had like laser tag guns. Yeah, like, like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something that might be controversial. Ne- never pretend to be dead for a joke. Uh, no. <laughs> no, never, for instance, fake a heart attack on the set of a beloved sitcom, Jeffy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, another thing to, to add to the list of like why I reckon I'm probably some kind of neurodivergent is is that I I just don't I, I don't think pranks are good. I don't get them. Uh, why why are we doing that? It's not funny. It's just horrible. Um, which the little boy in this, the the the, the pranky, uh, does mention. But my favourite bit about that little meeting is uh, when Riker's kind of expo- expositoring, and he says, uh, he says, so you, you did the thing with the balloon full of the die, and your brother thinks 
that he was that you were dead so he ran off into the forest on it was on shore leave so he ran off into the forest and he got bitten by some parasite that's now made him really ill no he didn't get bitten, but also really let's be clear. He, contagious. He, he, he was hiding in the woods yeah because he didn't want to come back and he got hungry and he ate berries Oh, that's that it, had yeah. this parasite. So at that point, I'm like, okay, this isn't that kid's fault. Yeah, uh, <laughs> don't don't eat the berries on an alien planet. Yeah, it feels like it's like you're taught that with like, don't shove your hand on the stove as a yeah. kid in the Federation. And if you're sitting there, if you haven't seen the episode, and you're sitting there going, well, yeah, I don't really know who what kids side I'm on now. Uh, strap in for this uh, because Riker brings up the fact that they are on the Enterprise while both parents are on sabbatical. <laughs> Yeah. If I was looking for a if I was looking for a babysitter for my two smoking hot robot daughters <laughs> and I had to interview them and one of them was like, I regularly have run ins with the Borg <laughs> In like, fact eh, In fact Even if there's a scenario where I'm not having a run in with the Borg and someone else is having a run in with the Borg, it's my job to go there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, no. Don't leave your kids. Look, look, we, we've talked about this with Bev. Don't leave your fucking children alone on the Enterprise for <laughs> six to seven months no and pretend that you care about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was hoping that he would be like, now I know both your parents are on a contract dispute, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so anyway, so so that, so this all happens. So this gives us the time element because they have to get this kid to a starbase uh, to get medical treatment, or he's going to full on die. Right? Yeah. Um, I've got written in my notes that he's eaten. Uh, he's he's got a condition of ticking clock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, so we're finding it, and then all of a sudden, Data starts acting funny. Uh, uh, and, and funny peculiar, funny not ha ha. Yeah, funny um, peculiar, but, and he initiates the. It's not. It's not the self destruct, but he, he. He initiates something that causes all of the rest of the bridge crew. Oh, the life support on the bridge is going to fail. Yeah, and then everybody leaves, and Data doesn't, and nobody clocks this. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so data. So they're all down in the main engineering, and then Data through a quite a quite a complicated series of machinations uh, makes the Enterprise just under this his control uh, Yeah, and it's it's super cool the way that he does it yeah he does that thing where he starts talking in Picard's voice Yeah, uh, and does Picard's security codes which is all stuff that I'm it's one of those things where it's like I'm certain Data hasn't deliberately gone out of his way to have the information to do this but Data has Data's memory is by definition flawless Yeah, so if if ever Picard has said his security code in front of Data, and then Data knows it. not changed it, like this is the IT guy is going to be furious about furious about this. Like every time you use your command codes, yeah, you need to change them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because that because that's the thing. Like anyway, we'll we'll get into it. Um, because Data is now a massive liability to the Federation. But anyway, uh, we'll just ignore that. Uh, whatever, uh, right? But, okay. It, right. In fairness. Data is no more susceptible to mind control than any other member of the Enterprise crew. <laughs> no, fair enough. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll, that's fair enough. Um, so, no, you're right. I was being um, uh, prejudiced there. No, no, okay. Yeah, no, no I'll give you that. 
so so Dr. Nini and Soon, we later discover it, has sent out a signal, a sort of homing signal to make data come home. In order to do that, he has to fly the Enterprise to where the planet where Soon uh, is. Uh, and uh, he locks all the other um, the officers down in engineering, effectively. He locks them there. And yeah, then, he does a thing where he's walking along the corridor and he's got it set up so that the force fields will turn off and turn on as he goes down different bits so nobody's ever in the same corridor as him. Super cool. Super cool. And Riker uh, meets O'Brien in tran- Trans 1, right? Transporter 1, uh, where they realise Data is heading. And as soon as Data opens the door, you see O'Brien standing there and I was really hoping that O'Brien would just lamp him in the face. <laughs> See, this is the thing. O'Brien, whilst drunk, has punched Data so many times that he's just aware that it's not going to do anything. <laughs> yeah. He's like, and, and I can't get to... Like, the transporter's all fucked up, so I can't get to the med bay right now. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing I need is a broken knuckle. Yeah. <laughs> if, da- if Data ever needs to um, uh, impersonate O'Brien, uh, he'll have a really good impression of all the times he said, just let me try it one more time. <laughs> I Go on. Re- what I really like right, about cool. this episode is um, you've I don't, you've never read Lord of the Rings, have you? I uh, no. So in I've Lord read of the Rings, most of the Hobbit. Okay, um, in Lord of the Rings, definitely I can't remember if it's in the Hobbit, but it's sort of like mentioned at the beginning that all these characters are different sizes and different races and can do different things, and then it's like broadly speaking not mentioned for like. You go fifty pages, and then you suddenly get a reminder. Oh yeah, that he's three foot tall. Yeah. Just pretty like like, and, and I've always thought that's particularly good and, and interesting. And I like that with data in general, he's an android, but that's not actually that important to general day to day life. Beyond, he has a different experience, and we're trying to explain it. And and for the most part, that's how Andrew uh, like data being an android is dealt with. It's like it's interesting to have someone that the human characters can explain the human thing to and he doesn't get it or he doesn't understand it and yeah. like that's it's, interesting it's, it's good to see that he's there um as a, as an autism analog uh, but just like uh, in real life autism experience uh everyone's fawning over him when the guy who actually has autism uh is standing at security terminal going I don't get it either, but you know. <laughs> but yeah, um, but uh, so I love when we get an episode that fully goes into the whole. Oh no, Data is an android, though. Yeah, like he can do. He has a wide and a crazy number of skills because we get the mimicking Picard's voice. We get the not having to rely on the life support so he can turn it off, and then we get him reprogramming the transporter. Um, by moving the chips around and it's done in that way where they super speed it up yeah um, and I just I love when they do that with Data yeah I like that like, yeah. oh yeah Data's Data's essentially a superhero <laughs> yeah he's got very low level mild superpowers comparative to the universe like he's not he's not like he can't shoot laser bursts but then you do wonder why Nini like can't see like sorry why Dr. Sung didn't give him laser burst technology <laughs> Um, I guess he didn't want the local populace to be even more terrified of him. I guess, I guess if the local populace are giving you quite reasonable feedback that um, your robot seems a bit murderous, can you build another one? And he goes, "All right, I'll make this one a bit more chilled out." But he's going to have lasers for hands. That might be a that might be a no go. So yeah, I get that. 
we feel like the previous robot was deliberately murderous and the new one has accidentally killed four people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they essentially reboot the ship in safe mode. They have yeah. to, like, <laughs> convince so, yeah. it that it's in training mode. <laughs> yeah. Which I love. <laughs> Thank you for that. There's, there's, there's another episode, that, uh, I think we've already gone past it, where they have to turn the ship off and on again. Yeah, and I, I just yeah. love when it's like... I, I, I want there to be an episode of Star Trek, and it's like, where the, the solution is like, have we tried... Have we tried hitting it? <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I believe, no, the technical term for that is percussive maintenance. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh. Um... Yeah, I. Yeah, I really, I really I mean, like this episode. I want to bring up one problem I have with it. Oh god! At the end of the episode, we see that the the brothers involved in the poisoning have they've they've made up, um, essentially, and Beverly says, "Brothers forgive," mm-hmm. uh, to Data specifically, um, which seems like it's. <laughs> I, I get what the show is going for, that maybe there might at some point be some redemption for law. Yeah. But when we say brothers forgive, we don't... I I, I don't mean that covers mass murder. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, well, well, yeah, but then for, forgiveness doesn't need to mean <laughs> letting things go. Forgiveness can literally mean have compassion for. Um, And this episode actually gave me a lot of compassion for Lore. Um, To to the point where I kind of almost wish that the the emotion chip swapping thing didn't happen. I, I, I kind of wish that it just didn't work. That he did do it to Data, and it just didn't work, and then Lore just lost, and then Lore just lost his shit and killed Doctor Sung anyway, and so Data yeah. kind of learned, oh, maybe emotions aren't the best thing in the world. Maybe they are a bit dangerous, which gives you a, like a little bit more complexity to his arc, like because all we have is that Data wants emotions, but we never really explore the idea that maybe he shouldn't, like, and just also, a little bit. You- if you do that, then you have a very interesting... This is the problem with the episodic nature. Yeah. Uh, like, if we'd had it installed and it hadn't worked initially, maybe five, six episodes from now, something makes Data laugh. Yeah. And, you know, we get that steady and sudden, like, the development. Like, that could have been something interesting yeah. to do with it. But, Wait, yeah, I do... I, I, again, I, I TNG do, perfect show, but... Yeah. yeah. Hampered by the in the constraints of which it was made, yeah. Like, it, it, but the thing is as well, I do like the fact that Laws like that has a go at saying, and he's like, "You disassembled me and left me on a shelf because yeah. it didn't work." And then you made data, and he goes, "Oh, well, what else was I supposed to do? Every you were scaring everyone, and everybody didn't like you." And he was like, "You you could have you could have fixed me." Yeah, and he's like, "Well, no, the next logical step, which is very much a." It's the it's the problem of <laughs> so uh, they are a very limited species in Star Trek, 
androids, but they are a species, even if there is only two. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting that the birth of their species is treated as a logical like product rollout. Like <laughs> from from a yeah. design point of view, yeah, step one didn't work. Obviously, in addition to law being murdering, there's probably a million and one other little things that when you've got the finished product and it's up and running, you're like, oh, no, it shouldn't do that, it shouldn't do that, it shouldn't do that. So you iterate on that till you make your second, your iPhone 2, essentially. And, yeah, that's when it gets interesting to be like, well, no, because you're not making a product. You're creating life, which feels like you should have different priorities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I get you not having them. Because frankly, if 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 the human race was created, I would have preferred God to do a second pass. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I bit I bit my tongue this morning. No need for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm bizarrely terrified of something that can't really possibly hurt me. Why is that the case? <laughs> we just had a lengthy conversation about creating smoking hot robot daughters. That shouldn't even be in the thought process. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also you could have left out racism. Um, yeah, yeah, like, yeah once, exactly. Yeah. Once that one turned up, it's like, oh, the different models. I thought I'd do do them in different colours, or like the iPhone. Uh, uh, as <laughs> as would uh, as my solution to that would have been to uh, just make us all the same race. <laughs> like, I'm gonna. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention something here, right? <laughs> so, something that's Star Trek related, oh, yeah. and I, I, I feel it, it, there is racial diversity in different races in Star Trek, but only in the races in Star Trek that start out with human skin color. By that I mean like the Vulcans, there are black Vulcans. Yeah, so we know that there's two Vuk. So and 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 you can't really no matter how much of a shrieking racist you want to be you can't have a problem with that because the answer is well it's the same evolutionary process that gave us different coloured human beings melanin yeah but when you get like the Andorians who are like blue how comes wouldn't it be great if there were just like some Andorians were purple and like the purple Andorians were like yeah well it was like oh I didn't know some of you could be purple and it's like oh is that is that a problem to you. <laughs> Um, and it turns out there's like a deep history of racial prejudice on the Andorian homeworld against the purple Andorians. Yeah, I mean, I guess that, <laughs> like, the, the boring answer to that is that we don't have blue people. <laughs> so blue people are already kind of the other to us. So to yeah. have, to then introduce a green Andorian would just, especially, as we've mentioned, Star Trek, which is a show exclusively made for the autistic community, <laughs> it would just be confusing because we believe that they're. I know, and 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 uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's a good question, but it, it kind of. Uh, and I I fucking hate the answer. It's that way because it's a movie. That's yeah. dumb, right? That, that, that's that's useless discourse. Um, what I'm saying is, the, when I eventually get given a Star Trek show. Yeah. Expect to see the different coloured aliens turn up in colours that you didn't expect. God, do them it. To. Yeah, have a have a white <laughs> cling on because you know we've been oppressed for far too long. But, um, I just like I think we understand why we have 
different tones of essentially the same skin colour. Uh, yeah. But it wouldn't make... Because green is a different colour from blue. <laughs> so it, it, what, okay. what, would, what would be going on with their sun that would make it beneficial for some of them to be blue and some of them to be green? And, and you know what? Maybe that's a, maybe that's the point of the episode. Maybe 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 we could finally have a Star Trek episode about color theory. <laughs> maybe it's just that they're, they're, some of the Andorians evolved on a subcontinent that had more forests. Um, so they were not, and that's thing, not even green. Yeah. They were red to fit in with the red leaves that all Andorian trees have. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, fine. That, that does that does that work? Some trees have red leaves. Even though chlorophyll's great, I don't. I, I'm not a plant scientist, as yeah. I've said many times before. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a plant scientist. But if that makes any sense to plant scientists, to tell us what color Andorian should be, other than blue. <laughs> All the botanists that listen to us. <laughs> yeah, tell us what are the colours of the plants of the Andorian homeworld. I'm certain it's come up in some fucking Star Trek at some point. <laughs> yeah. Probably Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Good, great episode. Great, great episode. Great, great episode. Fan, fan, phenomenal episode. Uh, it's a great acting showcase from Brent Spiner, who's a free for free actor. this season so far. This, this yeah, is, it really has been. Yeah. Yeah, like, 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 not just good episodes, like episodes that I would consider if you wanted to say you're a fan of Star Trek: The Next Generation, you need to have watched every one of the last four episodes, definitely. Yeah, we've watched. I, I yeah. agree. Yeah. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. The Captain's Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at Real Mark O'Neill, and Eddie is at Ed Edwards Comedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and now on YouTube at Captain Slog, and we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog.